Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. This is Jamie Rosenberg, Assistant Editor for the American Journal of Managed Care. Last month, the Huntsman Cancer Institute at the University of Utah announced the opening of the Huntsman Center for Health Outcomes and Population Equity, also known as a Center for Hope. The research and clinical center is dedicated to preventing cancer and improving health among underserved populations. The center is equipped with 11 patient exam and consultation rooms, faculty offices, and space for the collection and storage of biological samples. With the goal of serving as a bridge between scientists and the community, the center will address cancer health disparities in incidence, mortality, and survivorship as well as how these disparities exist among different groups of people. Today, I am speaking with Dr. David Wetter, Director of the Center for Hope and Professor of Population Health Sciences at the University of Utah. So first, can you give some background on the center? What's the purpose of the center, how the idea came about, and how it came into fruition? Sure. Um, The Center for Health Outcomes and Population Equity, or the Center for Hope, um, is really envisioned as a research infrastructure that can bridge between scientists and community organizations, um, both throughout Utah and the Mountain West. And the, the center really focuses on building strategic partnerships uh, between community organizations and scientists at the University of Utah and the Huntsman Cancer Institute so that we can um, really work together to create long-term solutions to prevent cancer and improve health among underserved and rural frontier populations. The center places emphasis on helping underserved populations. Why is it so important to address the health needs of these patients And will addressing cancer disparities and things like incidence and mortality be something you guys look to address? That that is exactly what we want to do. And it's incredibly important to address underserved populations. uh, And those include um, the the poor, individuals without insurance, um, individuals that, um, you know, may be from uh, underrepresented groups. Um, because um, they are at much higher risk for chronic diseases and cancer. They typically experience uh, much poorer survival when they do get chronic conditions and cancer, and there's just a profound socioeconomic status gradient in morbidity and mortality. Um, And there's actually a fantastic quote that I really like from a former director of the National Cancer Institute, Samuel Broder, who, which, um, who said, poverty is a carcinogen, meaning that, you know, being poor is just incredibly bad for your health and related to virtually every health disease risk under the sun. Can you give a deeper dive into the different aspects that the center will tackle? I know you're looking to address ways to prevent cancer as well as improve outcomes for those already diagnosed. Sure. Yeah, so we, um, one of our foci is really on healthcare systems that are, serve the underserved. In the United States, obviously, 
federally qualified health centers sort of fill one of the role of our safety net system, and federally qualified health center, centers will treat individuals uh, regardless of whether they have insurance, regardless of their ability to pay. So, for example, in Utah, um, federally qualified health centers, um, the populations are um, o- over 50% minority. They're 53% uninsured. 73% of individuals served at FQHCs in Utah live under the poverty level. So partnering with uh, organizations such as FY, or excuse me, FQHCs can really uh, enable us to take evidence-based programs out and reach those individuals who need them the most. So now also taking a deeper dive into cancer prevention, how important will it be to address all aspects of a person's health? We hear a lot about social determinants, such as having a ride to doctor's appointments and food insecurity. So will that play a large role? Absolutely. Um, one, you know, social determinants of health are, are incredibly profound. And so with respect to cancer prevention, so for example, tobacco plays a huge role in um, uh, in health disparities. And that's because... We've had this fantastic decline in tobacco use over the last 50 years from about 40% in uh, 19, you know, early 1960s to down about 15% right now. But the problem is, is that we didn't pay any attention to underserved populations. And what has happened consequently is that tobacco use now is heavily concentrated in, in, with, um, in populations that are characterized by poverty, that are characterized by uh, insurance, low education, um, or with comorbidities such as, such as other substance use or other mental health disorders. So addressing tobacco use, for example, can actually have a profound impact on reducing health disparities. If we could just simply even out tobacco use across populations, we could eliminate in U.S. men about 58% of that socioeconomic status gradient. Within these underserved populations, you have different groups of different patients, and with different groups of patients comes different health needs. So is it important for the center to identify and address different factors that may play different roles for these different kinds of patients? Absolutely. Um, so, for example, you mentioned access and transportation and things like that, which are um, really uh, a huge problem in rural and frontier populations, which much of the Mountain West is characterized by, um, where they may have to drive two, 300 miles to, you know, uh, see a provider. So, um, strategies such as, you know, telehealth, mobile apps, um, you know, vidtel, you know, um, things like that are just really important um, that we try to get to those populations. And those problems are different than might be experienced, for example, from an urban population that's living in Salt Lake, where the the, the issue is more around, um, you know, really. Um, uh, neighborhood characteristics that are characterized by crime um, or, you know, broken down buildings, et cetera. So. When we first started talking, you mentioned the vision of serving as a bridge between scientists and the community. Do you often find that there's a disconnect between the two? And how do you think that having this connection will help optimize care 
that the patients are receiving? I think there are. Um, there's tremendous desire to work together um, on the part of both community organizations and scientists, and there's just often not a good way to get connected. So, for example, many, many of the the, the um, uh, cancer researchers I've worked with over the last 20 years would like to work in the community and um, and take some of the work that they do in you know in major cancer centers out to the community, but they don't know who to contact or how to really um, make those relationships, and they can take a long time to make. Um, and then on the other side, um, there's lots of community organizations that would love to get help um, from people who are, are experts in the in the area they're trying to address, it, such as the opioid epidemic, for example. Um, but they don't really know where to turn, and so we hope to be sort of that linkage, so that we'll have the relationships both with the community organizations and with scientists to try to help bring them together, so that you can create you know projects and. Um, programs that really meet the needs of both. So the center plans on utilizing tools like mobile health technology. What kind of role will these technologies play in examining the different factors among the different groups of patients? Exactly. That's a great question. Um, so we're part of what we're doing um, is uh, we've got one of the big PCORI pragmatic trials recently funded, and we're using both technology and counseling um, in ways to try to make sure that individuals who go to FQHCs who smoke are offered and connected to evidence-based tobacco cessation treatment. And we do that by testing various strategies using the electronic health record, by then making repeated offers of treatment for those who don't engage immediately via strategies such as text messaging, which is obviously now ubiquitous. And then finally, among those individuals that we've not been able to engage up to that point, we'll actually have someone like a health educator or a social worker give them a call to see if we can engage them in treatment. And so it's really trying to use a variety of strategies around health information technology at the point of care, around using mobile health strategies such as text messaging or apps, uh, and then also with the human touch where, where it's actually maybe needed among folks that need a little bit more help. You mentioned the importance of collaborating with different government and community groups. So how do you think these collaborations will help advance the goals of the center and improve patient health? So the PCORI Pragmatic Trial I just mentioned is collaboration among 30 FQHC clinics across the state of Utah uh, with uh, also the Association for Utah Community Health, which is our state primary care organization, um, with the um, State Department of Health, which is the Tobacco Control Program, and with the state quilt line, as well as then scientists across the University of Utah and the Huntsman Cancer Institute. So it involves just a ton of people all have that all have very different expertises coming together to try to really address the issue. And I think that's one of the things the center can do is actually bring together all these disparate people with different foci of their life's work to try to address the issues. The center opened a little over a month ago now. So can you walk through what's going on now and what you see in the near future? 
Sure. So um, as I, we've got lots of work that um, is going on with the FQHCs, as I've obviously mentioned many times, um, that really is this huge collaboration of people. Um, and we'll, we'll continue to focus much of our collaboration on safety net healthcare systems like the FQHCs because it is such a potent way to be able to reach underserved populations. It's got more reach with respect to, you know, a face-to-face -face contact with uh, individuals than virtually any other method. So we'll continue to do that. We're moving into other areas such as HPV vaccination, which is incredibly low in the Mountain West. And so that's one of the things we want to try to tackle as well because there's actually absolutely no reason anybody should ever have a HPV-related cancer anymore um, if, if we start, you know, getting our vaccination up to the levels it should, should be at. Um, and then we'll be working with other issues such as trying to address the obesity epidemic as well. And we're just getting started. We're getting... Um, taking some very active steps with respect to HPV vaccination and just getting uh, some basic uh, kind of early collaborations going around addressing obesity. So do you have any final thoughts or anything you think is important to bring up or mention? The only thing, you know, I guess I would say is, um, you know, it's partnership is really uh, where we need to go with respect to healthcare, and we really need to be focusing, and there's a huge emphasis on it now, at uh, National Institutes of Health and other organizations on translational science, not just from bench to bedside, but from then bedside to really community setting for what's often called T3 and T4 translational research. And that's the place where there's just been this giant gap in our healthcare system where we have lots of things that work, we just don't get them to the people that need them. And so I think that's one of the the areas I'd like to really highlight as critical because, you know, there's such an emphasis right now on precision medicine and the role of genetics and all of that, and I want to make sure that um, as we develop all these fantastic new treatments, surgeries, technologies, et cetera, that they actually get to the people who are going to really need them the most, which tend to be the underserved populations. To learn more about different initiatives being taken to improve health outcomes, and address the needs of underserved populations, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes.